right, well this evening, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, the emptiness of hypocrisy, and uh, a message I think quite appropriate for our day, in light of so many churches that want to praise people for their religious sentiments, uh, and yet the sentiments that are given both to clergy, to pastors, uh, is a praise that is oftentimes, you know, when it is praised upon a pastor, that praise is a praise that belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and not a pastor. The Lord turns his attention here as we continue our Sermon on the Mount. We'll be in Matthew 6, verses 1 through 6. And uh, let's read this here, the uh, first six verses here. The emptiness of hypocrisy. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, verse 1 of Matthew 6, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues, in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have the reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Jesus is speaking to religious rulers, these people, these men that want the praises of men. Oh, he's a Pharisee. Ooh, look at him. Ooh, he's a holy man. Jesus, he, he says, no, 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 we're not doing that. So he turns his attention to almsgiving, prayer, and fasting, three areas where wrong motives can easily enter in especially for the desire of the praise or approval of man. We are not to desire the praises of men. The Roman Catholic Church, Buddhism, and many other religions place a lot of emphasis on these exercises. The false prophet Muhammad taught his followers that prayer would carry a man halfway to paradise. Fasting would bring him to the gates, and almsgiving would gain him admittance. The Lord shows that these mere religious works are useless. What a tremendous passage to test our motives for the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm preaching just because someone comes up to me and says, Oh, pastor, wow, that was the most amazing message. And I'm, pra- and I'm preaching for the praises of men. I'm doing it for the wrong motive. Jesus hits at the heart of pride and self-righteous attainment of heaven. He completely demolishes all merits of attaining God's graces by human endeavors. He strikes at the seed of religious pride and he brings equality to everyone seeking to please God. If If your guarantee of eternity in heaven, as you believe, is based upon your actions or good works here on earth, then this passage would be disturbing. Romans chapter 9, 31 through 32, But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith. 
but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. There in Romans chapter 9 again, Israel thought they could get to God by following and being a good person, going through the laws, going all through all these religious uh, rituals. And Jesus says, none of it. They sought it not by faith. The only means of access to God is by faith alone, and each of us are so easily prone to tradition. We're so prone to follow the teachings of men. Well, so-and-so... You know, smart, you know, the preacher so-and-so said this. But if preacher so-and-so, or even I say this, and it doesn't align with the word of God, it's not true. We don't test our motives against, you know, what we ought to do is test our motives against the final and authoritative work of God and the word of God. In Mark chapter 7, verse 8, For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men. It is so easy in so many churches around this world, the traditions of men. Why do you do that? I don't know. That's what we've always done. How does it align with Scripture? Why do we do that? I mean, there are sometimes. Why do we meet at 7 o'clock at night? Okay, that's not a scriptural principle. That's just what's been decided by the church, and that's when we meet. Is that set in stone? No. Could we change the time? Yes, we could. Okay, so... Uh, I'm just saying, it doesn't have, those are, there's certain things that are traditions, and there's nothing inherently wrong with them. But there's other things that are tradition that, in regards to getting, being close to the Lord and other things, that are not right. He says, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things as you do. You know, we think, well, if I don't wash the pots this particular way, uh, then I'm not a good Christian. And there's all sorts of legalistic things. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, some churches, well, we don't play music in our church. I'm, I don't, you know, any music. Or, or we don't have instruments or other things. You know what, I'd love to have more instruments. I mean, if we had an orchestra someday, hallelujah, that would be amazing to have an orchestra here. I'd love it. If we had people with talents that <laughs> can play those. But, at the same sense, as Jesus is hit, here hitting at, all of us can be inspectors of righteousness in others' lives. Did you see so-and-so? Look at what they did. Ah. And we begin to become nitpicking. And we demand praises from others for our labors for Christ. In this passage, we're going to learn the fruit of this such a lifestyle. Churches today, for many, have become spectacles of comparison and material achievements. Do you see so-and-so? They're so wealthy. Did you see what they did? Look at what they're wearing. Look at blah, blah, blah. I mean, rather than churches have failed to become training camps for the diligent and team-focused. And so may the eternal words of Christ here be yet another test to our motivations for service and worship of Christ. And the principle this evening, check your motives, as to their authenticity and desired response. Am I doing what I'm doing so that others see how great I am, or am I doing what I'm doing simply because I want to do it for the Lord? And this is what God is hitting at here this evening. It's an amazing passage. As we will study, it's exciting. So let's go to the Lord and ask for his blessing, and uh, we will continue our study here. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. And Lord, I ask for your help once again. I thank you for how you helped this morning, and your presence that was with us. Lord, I ask that you would help us, Father, to be, have a heart and mind Lord, we're serving because we want to serve the King of Kings. We're not serving a man. We're not serving a woman. We're not serving one another. 
we're serving our King. We're serving our Savior. Father, may we do what we do because we do it as unto you. And Lord, we look forward to the reward we'll get in eternity someday. So Lord, I love you and I commit this time to you. Lord, guide and direct every word that I speak. Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Find the first of all, as we look at this passage of Scripture, Jesus said, take heed. There's a warning on service. That word, when he says that word take heed, it's actually a present imperative active. He's talking in general and to a plural group of people, but it's an imperative, present imperative. He's saying, listen up, wake up. You need to be alert. I'm, what I'm telling you is something that is important. Now, this is the first time in recording that Jesus uses this word, prosecho. That's a Greek word, but nevertheless, it's the first time you find it in the Gospels where he says, take heed. You know what, if he's making a, if Christ is saying, take heed, he's saying, it's a command. Just as I would tell my daughter, if there was a ball that went into the road, I would say, stop. Don't run into the road. Stop. Jesus is saying, take heed. Stop. Think about what you're doing. Think about your motive. Test your heart. What makes us think that God's word is open to our interpretation to our own idea of how things ought to play out? Many times we look at the scriptures, well, this is how it is. But then in other scriptures, it, it can, I mean, it just it contrasts with what is God's word. He's commanding his disciples to take notice and be on guard for your motives. Every one of us, it is wonderful uh, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong if someone says, thank you so much for doing that. You did a wonderful job. But I'm not doing it for the accolades. I'm not doing it for people to say, oh, wow, look at what a wonderful person you are. I'm doing it because when they give any praises, I'm saying, praise the Lord. Because it's for him, it's not for me. The words that I give you from God's word, I am, if you want to think about it, I'm copywriting what God's already given. I mean, this is his words. I'm just merely giving it back to you. Correct? So if any praises are happening, we praise the Lord. The language of take heed is very strong, and it expresses a great, for, a great uh, concern for the well-being of his congregants. So much of what is done for Christ in churches is merely a spectacle of gloating and pride. A lifting up of oneself wrapped in the veil of piety. Oh, Oh, God's been so good. But the praises oftentimes stay with the person, not the Lord Jesus Christ. There are those that I've met, and they talk about how good God is, and yet they're, they're not faithful to God, they're not faithful to the church, they're not faithful in their devotion. They're talking about how good God is, but yet they're not even faithful to God. He's merely a stepping stone to say, hey, God's blessing me, he's not blessing you. You know what, Satan also <laughs> has no problem stealing God's glory, making people look good. And the, sure, if they want to give God, say, hey, look at what God's blessed me with, when in fact you're not faithful to God, you're not doing what you should be, why in the world would God bless you if you're not being faithful in the areas you should be? Satan can do some blessings too. We can say it's God, but it doesn't mean it's God. But the warnings he's giving us is a, a warning against self-glory, a warning against looking at me. 
Look with me at Psalm 10.4. You know, if, as you would, uh, <laughs> I was at the hospital several weeks ago, and uh, there was a Catholic priest up there, and he said, call me Father so-and-so. And the Bible tells us don't call anyone Father, so I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm not going to call you Father. Oh, I'm Father so-and-so. Uh, you know, look at me. I'm thinking, Jesus says, don't call him Father, so I'm not calling you Father. <laughs> you know, if you died on the cross, and you paid my sins, and you did all that, then I'll call you Father. But otherwise, you're no Father. And first of all, uh, you didn't birth me into this world. So you're definitely not a father, okay? On two accounts. You're not Heavenly Father and you're not my real father. There's no way I'm calling you father. Anyways, Psalm 10.4. I digress on a little rabbit trail there. But I mean, the, it, 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 we find this, you know, I'm, uh, it, there's all sorts of things that are seen. I'm Bishop so-and-so. I'm Father so-and-so. I'm this. I'm that. It's all these titles. <laughs> you know what? We're all servants of the King of Kings. In Psalm 10.4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not on his thoughts. So it is here, it's all of these religious leaders, as Jesus is speaking about, I mean, he calls them hypocrites. Woo! He said, you're a fake actor. Or as we would say today, you're fake news. In our happiness, you know, it's in our happiness and self-satisfaction with ourselves that causes us to evidence a countenance that rejects Christ. Pride. I want you to look with me at Isaiah 14. It's a continual battle in my own life. I have to battle it day in and day out. Say, listen, it's not about me. It's not about me. Isaiah 14, verse 12. Take note what it was that produced a separation from God. Look with me, verse 12 of Isaiah 14. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation the sides of the earth. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's what Lucifer did. What happened there? <laughs> and God kicked him out of heaven. A beautiful angel. A musician. He was content with himself. He was content with his direction in life. And God said, I will have none of it. When we enter into the doors of this church or into the congregation of believers, it is not for the expectations of the praises of man. We do so for the adoration and reverence of our Savior. 1 Corinthians 10.31, as we've been talking on Wednesday evenings in our study, whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all to what? The glory of God. You realize this, there is no glory for God when pride is the motivation. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've gained. Look at this. Look at that. All of these things. Whether they're for you eat or drink. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. God says I hate. The first thing when he says I hate evil, the first thing he lists is pride. Proverbs 8.13 
In Proverbs 14, 3, In the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise shall preserve them. We're in a day and age that elevates pride. There's all sorts of pride. I mean, you name it in the news, pride this, pride that, pride... I mean, God hates it. It's an abomination to him. He hates pride. He kicks Satan out for pride. What makes us think that somehow I can take my pride and I can sugarcoat it and still make it good? Can I take a piece of garbage, say I take a piece of rotting garbage, and I dip it in chocolate, does it make the contents of that chocolate-covered garbage any better? No. I can take a piece of meat that's been on the counter for three weeks. I mean, it's like crawling. I take it up, I dip it in some chocolate, and I say, hey, you want some? You're thinking, no thanks. No thanks. Especially if it's chicken. I don't know if you've ever had food poisoning. You're thinking, no way, no thanks. God says, I don't care how you want to wrap your pride up in your own self-piety, in your own righteousness, I don't want it. He tells us in several areas and this idea of take heed. I want to look at several of these passages that Jesus says, take heed. When Jesus is saying take heed, you know what we would do wisely to do? Take heed. If a coach who's been known to be a winner in a particular sport, say he's a, a, a wonderful hockey coach and they can win a lot of games and he knows what he's doing. He says, listen, you're doing it the wrong way. You should do it this way. He said, I've seen it. When people do it that way, they have this error, and when these circumstances come, they don't go the right direction. You know what you'd be wise to do? Take heed. To listen up. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 12, verse 1. Just because someone has the name doctor in front of their name, just because someone has a professional title, if, you know, and they're doctor so-and-so, and they're saying, well, this is what the Bible says, you look at the Bible and say, is that what the Bible says? Because the degree is, I mean, there's some element of studies. Obviously, if they have a doctorate, they have done a lot of studies. But look with me at Luke chapter 12, verse 1. And there's several other passages that are parallel to this. Matthew 16, 6, Matthew, Mark 8, 15, uh, where it talks about the Sadducees inherit as well. But uh, I just wanted to read this, Luke chapter 12, verse 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered together in an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware ye of the leaven, that's yeast, of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. <laughs> Look with me also what he says in Matthew 16, 12. Going further of the leaven, he begins to explain further on the, what is the leaven, Matthew 16, 12. Matthew 16, 12, Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven, of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. You know what Jesus is saying? Beware of doctrine. 
People said, let's all get together. Let's put our doctrinal differences aside and all come together. Jesus is saying, listen, doctrine is important. The belief, how you live your life is based upon a belief system. Jesus is saying, beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and Herod. If you look at the scriptures, as he says, Matthew 7, 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. He says, listen, if, a, if someone comes to you and says you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you can also lose your salvation, then they're, what they're saying is you must trust Jesus, but you must be good enough to keep your salvation. And thereby, you're saying, Jesus, you weren't enough. Your check, your bank account wasn't big enough to keep me secured as his child. You can't lose what he bought. He paid the check that paid the penalty for all I've done. Jesus is saying, be careful of wrong doctrine. If someone says, you know, you need to, you need to observe these particular holy days to be right before God. You need to, to do this. You need to eat your food this way. I'm just kind of going off on some things, but Jesus is saying, take heed. Jesus was concerned that there were false prophets, false teachers that come in the name of I am a pastor or doctor or reverend or bishop or so-and-so. He says, listen, you look at their doctrine. You'll know they're good or bad by their doctrine. Jesus says, take heed. He also says in Matthew 10, 17, but beware of men, for they deliver you up to councils, and they will discourage you in their synagogues. He says, be cautious, cautious and discerning on who your friends and associates are. Then in Luke chapter 11, I'm just looking at these take heeds. I, I wanted to just, Jesus gave several things. He says, listen, disciples, I'm not always going to be here. But I want you to know when I'm gone, here's some things you need to be careful of. When Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is a discipleship passage. He's saying if you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be my disciple, you want, to be, you want me to be your teacher, and you want to be successful, and you want to be pleasing to Christ, here's some things you should be aware of. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is telling us. Luke eleven thirty five. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If the whole, if thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light. And when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light, he's saying, listen, you need to make sure you're focusing on Christ. He also says, beware of the snare of materialism. Luke twelve fifteen. He said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. You know, it doesn't matter how much you own or don't own. Jesus said, be, beware. We live in a country of incredible wealth. A whole lot of nice things, comfortable things. And we can make the determination for our lives based upon what I own and don't own. We make our importance upon what we own and don't own. James said, be careful. Now, the man comes into your church wearing golden clothing. It talks about gay clothing, but very nice clothing. He says, and you give preference to that man, and a poor man walks in who doesn't dress very nicely, and you treat them differently than you do that. He said, whoa. He said, that ought not to happen. That's there in the book of James. 
Jesus said, don't let material goods be what your aim is. Luke 17, 3, Take heed to yourselves, if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him, and if he repent, forgive him. But it goes on in Matthew chapter 5, talking about Jesus says, If someone's offended you, go make it right. Don't even, I don't want your sacrifices. Matthew 5, 22 through 24, uh, as well as 43 through 45. I don't want to go down that hole, uh, that direction now. But uh, also, look with me at Luke chapter 20, verse 46. On the same thing, as Jesus is talking about this almsgiving, I'm just talking about these take heeds that Christ discusses. Because I, I think it's quite important for us to say, hey, Jesus is saying, he's looking out. Because you know what? He knows our hearts. He knows how susceptible and how prone we are to want to go down. I mean, there's certain things in our life. And, and I remember back when I, was, <clears throat> when I was doing Bible college and I was working on my paper that I had to do. And I began to go down certain ways. And I went and talked with one of my professors and uh, he said, ah, you're kind of going down a way that's more mystical. I said, oh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I had to stop, backtrack. I said, okay. You know, I began to read some books, and I was like, wow, this is really curious. I wonder if there's more here, you know. I'm trying to get, like, is there any hidden meaning? You know, there's all these things about, you know, in your Bible on the such and such page, and you recount the numbers and all this secret hidden wisdom. There's nothing there. But people all try to find some hidden wisdom, because what happens if there's hidden wisdom? Whoa, you're so smart. Whoa. <laughs> right? Isn't that what happens? I mean, if there's some secret wisdom here, there's not. But if there's like, you count this page, and you're counting this. Did you see these numbers, and how this all fits together? Whoa, you're a genius. I'm going to follow you. I don't want you following me. I want you to follow Jesus. Luke chapter 20, verse 46. Beware of the scribes, which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the high, highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at feasts. I'm the pastor. I need to sit at the highest seat of this place. I need to be at the top. Jesus says, beware of them. Beware. Luke 21, look with me here. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life. So that day come upon you unawares. We can get so consumed with what's going on in this life that we forget our relationship with the Lord. Essentially what Christ is saying, much like what Hebrews 2.1 discusses, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, Lest at any time we should let them slip. Jesus is saying, listen, take heed, please don't forget. Now what he's saying here is not meant to be stifling, it's not meant to be enslaving. He says, listen, religion, it's really binding. Right? If you're just going through the motions, thou shalt, thou shalt not, don't do this, do this. If you're just going through the motions, <laughs> the, whole, the whole aspect of, of, of a... Of a I mean, you're not saved if you're just doing that. But if you are saved and you're going through, you're at a church, it's like all these thou shalt's, and you're like, why is that? That's just what God wants. Well, why does he want it? What does the scriptures say? And we're just going through based upon hearsay, not what the word of God says. You know, it can become very burdensome. You're thinking, man, this Christian life is just miserable. The word of God is not optional to obey, but he does give us, when he's given us these warnings, he says, take heed. 
He says, listen, here's something to be careful of. Because if you're not, you're forfeiting some things. His warnings are his love to protect us. Just as a good parent would warn their child, don't accept candy from a stranger, right? If a stranger comes up to you in a car and says, here, can I give you some candy? You say, no, run away. Take down the license plate. Take a picture, whatever you got to do, but don't take the candy, right? Beware of strangers. Why do you say that? Are you trying to deprive your child of some candy? I mean, that's good, right? Candy? No, you're saying, listen, the one distributing the candy, they're probably not good. Jesus is saying, the, the, the religious people who are probably, who are giving you things that might seem okay, they're not good. Jesus wants us to succeed. And yet, we kick, we insist on our rights. I'm going to do it my way. Jesus says, please don't. Please don't. Pride will resist authority. Our biggest source of our lack of forward spiritual progress is our pride. In James 4, 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Who can be double-minded? It's a Christian that demands their way. That's a double-minded. You're a Christian, so you have the Spirit of God living within you. You say, I want to do it my way. And God, Christ's Spirit is saying, please do it my way. And so there's a spiritual battle going on inside of you. You ever had that? You knew you were supposed to do something, you didn't want to do it, and you're just like, feel like tug of war. And this whole idea of almsgiving here, I want to speak on that. <clears throat> it's an exercise of benevolent goodwill, right? Giving of alms. In this here in Luke eleven forty one, 41, but rather give alms, which is of compassionate things, such as ye have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. A little commentary on this. The Pharisees were more concerned with external conformity to Jewish traditions than being merciful to those around them. When that change of heart took place, then behold, all things are clean unto you. Your actions are to be rooted in a love for God, which causes others to see their need for God, as well as a love for your neighbor rather than an assistance in one another. So people come to church, right? Hey, pastor, how you doing? They get in the car. Hey, don't you! I mean, they're just chewing each other out. <laughs> You're putting on a face. Right? Oh, we got to do this good person for here. And yet I deny someone else. Look at Jesus Christ. Look with me at Luke chapter 11. Seven, chapter seven, Luke chapter seven, excuse me. Our, our motivation for what we do and why we do it is not for ourselves. In Luke chapter seven, verse 44. Luke seven forty-four, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet, my head with oil. Thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same love and little. Who was, what was her motivation? 
or service? Was it to say how great she was? She went against cultural taboos. I mean, for a woman to touch a man's feet, a woman especially of her reputation. I mean, this is not a woman, uh, you know, she would most likely have been very immoral. For that woman to be in the presence, to touch Jesus' feet, was definitely culturally inappropriate. Her motivation was to serve and appreciate the one who had forgiven her sins. Look with me at John chapter 13. What is Jesus? You know, we know the scriptures, right? The, the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. It is as a pastor and those in leadership authority, <clears throat> I want you to notice with me who is the leader Jesus is. What is his position towards those? John 13, 12. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you. You call me Master and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily I say unto you, The servant is not greater than his Lord. Neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Jesus is saying, listen, Jesus' motivation was the demonstration of servant leaders. The great leaders are servants, not religious aristocracy. Wow, you're a, you know, you're a whatever, a priest, a, a clergy, you're a pope, I don't care what your title is. Wow, you're some like way up there and I'm just a little peon down here. That didn't have any place. Jesus says, Here's, I'm your Lord and Master, and I'm washing your feet. That's a, that's, Jesus was doing what was the responsibility of a servant. I mean, that's even lower than his fishermen, as the apostles. He stooped down in service to others. Because it's not important. Jesus is saying, Listen, I want you men to understand, yes, you're apostles of me, but you need to put aside yourself. As we come to the next thing here is Jesus in verses 5 and 6, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. They love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners. Prayer is directed to the Lord alone. It's not some oratorial excellence. Did you hear him pray? Wow, that was the most moving prayer. Just because of the words they speak. It ought to be the spirit of that, right? But it's not about that person's prayer. There's those when you can talk with them and they pray, you're like, man, they've got a connection with God. They're people that know how to pray because they, they're talking to God in familiarity. It's not just some, wow, did you look at how amazing their prayer was. Prayer is seeking God and calling out to Him. Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call ye upon Him while He's near. Prayer is me talking to God. If my talking to God is trying to impress others, if I'm talking to you and I'm trying to impress others by me talking to you, what, what do you think about that? If I came up to you and I'd be like, Oh, great! I'll use my wife. Oh, great, Rebecca! Oh, you're the wonderful, wonder, you know, and I just go on this, you know, diatribe and this discussion and, and you're thinking, 
what? I sound like an idiot. We are coming before the King of Kings, so we come with reverence. But I'm not trying to please you as I pray. I'm familiar with the Father. Now, the state of our heart does determine God's acceptance or rejection of our prayer. Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If there's a sin in your heart and, and, and you're not willing to deal with that sin, God says, I don't want your prayers. I don't want you talking to me. I want you to make it right. If I came up to you and I just went and I slapped you in the face. Then I said, hey, you want to come over and we'll go hang out? Can you come help me? I'm thinking, you just slapped me in the face. Why in the world would I want to come and help you? Right? Why would I want to come help you? I've, I've trespassed against you. Proverbs 15.8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. I mean, this whole idea of, of, in the Catholic Church of confession, I can live however I want, slapping God in the face, denying that I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins, and somehow I can make a confession, pay whatever I should pay, or I don't know how it works, and, uh, and then God's going to hear my prayers. If I came to you, and you have a child, and I slapped your child silly, uh, and then I said, hey, let's go be best friends, let's go bowling together, you're thinking, buddy, you better get lost. We deal so, I mean, not, I mean, religion says you can do whatever you want, you can deal lightly with Jesus, you just need to be a good person. But yet we begin to defile Jesus because we're denying him. It's like slapping him silly. I don't need Jesus, but I, I just want God to bless me. Why in the world would he bless you if you don't deal with Jesus? Prayer is not for a personal gain. You ask, receive not, because you ask and miss, that you may consume it upon your lust. Father, please give me a Ferrari. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why would I need that? Now, there's nothing wrong if someone has it, but... I'm not asking God for my own personal gain. I'm asking Him to help me to do what He's called me to do. And the danger of hypocrisy. What is a hypocrite? It's an actor. It's an actor playing a part, pretending to be someone they're not. Now there's some movies that are, right, true life stories. But the person who's playing that part is not the person that was involved in the events of whatever that movie is portraying. They're an actor. They're just playing the part. You're just playing the game. Look at me at Mark chapter 7, verse 6. Jesus doesn't deal very well with the religious people. And these people who... Make it seem like, oh, wow, look at him, you know. He's the best person, the wisest person, whatever. Jesus doesn't deal very well with them. I mean, he pretty much puts them in their place. Stop being an arrogant fool. Why don't you just humble yourself before me? You know, and they're just like, uh, you know, I'm God. Uh, let's kill him! Right? Mark chapter 7, verse 6. He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites! <laughs> 
You fake actors, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips. Their heart is far from me. Jesus says, stop playing the game. Stop playing the game. Matthew 15, 7 through 9, ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lip, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. It's like a person who goes to church and never gets involved. It's like a person who professes Christ but never publicly praises the Lord. It's like a person who professes Christ but never evangelizes, gets involved in the evangelism of the church. It's like a person who's a Christian but never joins a church. It's the person who judges the unrighteousness of others but does not submit to God-ordained authority. You know why? Because there's a contentment with oneself. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, They've elevated themselves. I've finally arrived spiritually. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Sadducee. I'm a scribe. I'm a lawyer. Whatever you call it, I have spiritually arrived. You know, I can get to that place for my own self personally. I've arrived. I'm a pastor. You know what? I haven't arrived anywhere. I'm on the same journey you are of faith. Day by day, learning with everything that happens, to put my faith in oneself. To put my faith, not in oneself, excuse me. Faith in Christ. Let me correct that very clearly. Not faith in myself, faith in Christ. I'm just the same. I'm the flesh and blood as you are. Ezekiel 16, 49. But this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread and abundance of idleness. Was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hands of the poor and needy. What are some tests of hypocrisy? Matthew 20, I'm going to go through this a little quicker for the sake of time this evening. Matthew 20, verse 26, and particularly verse 26, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. As Jesus did not come for self-praise. Now, he would say, you know, that every knee would bow someday. It says there in Philippians. But, and service for others may cost us. The Apostle Paul would talk about, uh, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. Your service for others, your service for Christ may cost you. You know what? It may also cost you to be unappreciated, even a marred reputation. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Who was Jesus? He's King of kings, Lord of lords. He's the judge of all the earth. He's the one that we'll answer to someday. He is God in the flesh, and yet he was unappreciated and he a marred reputation. But it wasn't about just, wow, Jesus is a good man. Jesus rebuked him when they said he's a good man. And how does this all play out? Some tests of hypocrisy. Matthew 6, 16, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance. You know, we're not doing what we're doing. If we fast, we're not doing it so that others look out at us. We're not doing it, so, you know, in, in regards to testing the hypocrisy and, and being able to, to get rid of it, the scriptures, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Here's several passages where he talks about hypocrites. He says, listen, when you're speaking out in the religious judgment, you know, you're looking at someone else, he says, look at yourself first, hypocrite. Mark, Matthew 16, 3. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, the sky, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. People can say, wow, look at the sky. 
it's going to be a, I mean, we have a storm coming. And yet spiritually the people don't understand you know, what's coming. Matthew 22, as Jesus deals further with the hypocrites, he says, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? I mean, again, he deals with them. Is it okay to pay taxes, Jesus says? Well, first of all, he says, Yes, it is. But, he says, you're a hypocrite. Why do you tempt me, you hypocrites? We've got quite a bit left. I'll conclude there for this evening. I'll have to pick up next week. But <clears throat> we ought not to be discontent with ourselves. Jesus gives us a warning. Take heed. You're not doing what you're doing so that other people will look at how wonderful you think they think you are. If that is the case, and we'll talk about that going forward, he says you have your reward. That's all there is. Woohoo! The peanut gallery clapping you on. He said, that's it. That's all you have. I don't know about you. I don't want just some peanut gallery of people clapping me on. And someday, if I stand before my Father in heaven, he says, well done. That means a whole lot more. If your friends, you know, maybe your, your little sibling says, hey, you did a good job. You know, that means something if you have a sibling and they're like, hey, good job. But you go to mom and dad, whom you really are seeking to please, and they say, you did a good job. I'm proud of you. You know, that means a lot more. I don't want just a temporary praise of man. I want the eternal to be eternally pleasing to my Father. Jesus is saying, listen, test your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? If you test your motives, and you begin to look inwardly, he says, listen, you'll begin to do, right, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. You're saying it's not about me. It's about him. He's the creator, right? He's the one that gets the glory. Jesus says, beware. As we come to the time of invitation this evening, there's a lot more to go over. We need to stop drawing nigh to God with just our mouth. We need to just give, stop giving lip service. I love Jesus, but I don't ever want to publicly praise Him. I love Jesus, but I don't ever want to do what He tells me to do. You need to check your heart. Jesus deserves the praises. He's the one. If I'm doing alms or I'm doing prayers or I'm doing fasting, I'm doing it for Him. I'm seeking His attention. His pleasing. And so as we come to the time of invitation this evening, if I can have Mrs. Pat come forward, we'll have music play. Jesus said, take heed. I would hate if Jesus was here and He said to me, ye hypocrite, that would be hurtful. That would be crushing. We need to test our motives. 
The first motive, you will never be pleasing to God, number one, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I don't care how much you go to church. I don't care how much you pray. I, don't, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do, how much religious stuff you do. If you don't, have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you will go to a Christless eternity in hell forever. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. You will suffer the eternal torments of hell. And this evening, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please, please put your faith in Him. And if we're a Christian, and you're a Christian, you say, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I've just been playing the part. I want to stop being a hypocrite. And I want to give Jesus the praises that He is due. With all heads bowed and eyes closed as the music plays, I'd like to challenge your heart this evening. Hypocrisy is empty. Really, hypocrisy is you love yourself more than you love Jesus. God is saying, you love me first. I don't care how much you know about the Bible. If you're not willing to put me first and let me get the glory, it's God. I said, I don't, I don't want what you're giving. God will give us no praises, no rewards just sound a trumpet before us. It gets back to the simple Sunday school answer of a young child. It's Jesus. Just a moment longer as the music will conclude. Rather than looking at others, rather than looking at our own things in our lives, how we compare with others, rather than trying to elevate some man or woman to a position they don't deserve, ought to be elevated is Jesus. And we get back to the simple truth. Let God be glorified. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this evening. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for this warning. Lord, how prone we are, each and every one of us, Lord, to be seen as some spiritual giant. Lord, to be seen as someone with some spiritually secret formula or method. Lord, there is no secret method. The truth is, the open message is, Lord, faith to follow you. Everything we do, it's for you. Jesus, and I'm thankful you said take heed. Father, thank you for giving us the warning signals so that, Lord, when we give to others and we want to be kind and these other sorts of actions, Father, we're not doing it for the praises of men. We're doing it with the right motivation, and that is, Lord, because you've called us to do it and to be pleasing to you. Lord Jesus, I love you. And Lord, as we go into the time of fellowship, I pray you bless the food to our bodies. 
Lord, may we have a wonderful time socializing, enjoying each other. Thank you for each and every person that's here. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. God.